This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everybody, just before you listen to this episode, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon support programme that we do have that I'd like to encourage you to join if you haven't done so already. If you go to patreon.com forward slash pod, you'll find details of how to support this show and how to support this content. You'll get lots of extra bits and pieces in return. So again, head over to patreon.com forward slash pod. If you want to help support our content and help us grow and get even better. Well, good evening and welcome back to the Seasiders podcast Friday night preview show. It's Hull City versus Blackpool on Saturday, the 16th of Jan 2021. And tonight we do have a special guest alongside our regular co-host, Tom Main, who I bring in first. Tom, first of all, welcome back to the show. How are things going? Yeah, good evening. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, we've also got, as I said, a special guest, the man himself behind the famous bird celebration. It's Ben Burgess. Ben, welcome to the Friday Night Preview Show. Uh, good good evening. Hope you're all well. Yeah, we're all well. And I, I'm going to start off the show, Ben, by asking, where did that celebration come from? The famous flappy bird that turned into an app. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be on the app, but... Um, it's... <sighs> Well, I think it came from spending too much time in a hotel with um, with all the new players. I think when you sign for a new club, you generally uh, you, you put in a hotel before you find somewhere. And, and at that time, it was it was it was great actually. There was like Andy Morrell, uh, Klaus Jorgensen, um, Carl Dickinson, Cy Gillett. Um, we we just used to hang around all to all all the time, like in each other's rooms, just playing PlayStation, whatever. Just all to, we're just together all the time. So it was brilliant. Um, and it was just. One of those times we just sat there saying, oh, what should we do? Should we score? And then um, just sort of, so, I, I don't know. I, I've had some strange celebrations in my time. Um, like I once used my shin pad as a phone, as a mobile phone. When <laughs> mobile phones were still coming out. Like, it, was, it wasn't great. But um, yeah, it just, I don't know. I can't remember if it was me or um, Cy Gillett that said to do it. And um, yeah, it just took off. It was brilliant. I used to love seeing the fans doing it. It was uh, 
yeah, it was fantastic. It was. I still see people doing it now, and, <laughs> and like the kids I teach at school, sometimes the parents will say, "Do the Birdman," and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that celebration I literally took off. <laughs> yeah, it literally took off. Shame I didn't do it enough, but <laughs> <laughs> what's twenty-three times goals scored for for Blackpool? Plenty of occasions, but what, what's it like as a footballer, Ben? To, when you score that goal, I guess there's no feeling like it as a professional footballer to to score a goal, whether it's a, a tap-in or the goal against Doncaster, which you scored, and Charlton, which we'll come on to later. But what 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 is that feeling like as a professional footballer? Um, it's, 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 it's hard to describe, really. And that, that'll be one of the reasons why um, a lot of professional footballers get depression when they finish, because you just can't recreate those moments. And um, you just got to sort of enjoy it when you can. But yeah, it's... It, it is just unbelievable. It's like a sort of outer body experience where you, you you score and then everyone's celebrating. It's just it's just brilliant and um, yeah, it is hard to describe. But it's it's one of those things where a lot of things in life you really look forward to doing it, and then when you do it, it's always like oh, um, or at least that's what my wife says. No, um, but with a goal, it's it's just as good when you've actually scored it when you've arrived and you've done it. It's uh, yeah, it's an amazing feeling and just to make so many people happy. There's not, not, yeah. not often I do that, that's for sure. I guess me and Tom have maybe had the same feeling in a park with a, a man and his dog there with a knee slide <laughs> celebration, but but nothing well, that's like exa- No, that's exactly the same, though. It's still the same feeling. Like It's great when there's more people watching, but it's still the same. Like, both my daughter and my son both play. Like When they score, I, I get the same feeling for them. And it's just, uh, that's football. It doesn't matter what level you play at. You're still there. You're still doing it. You still get those feelings. <laughs> a few comments uh, coming in. Tim Fielding saying, evening everyone and welcome to Ben. John Aspinall uh, says, goal against Charlton, which we'll, we'll come to <laughs> later. Foot like a traction engine. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get Partridge in there, didn't I? Um, I've been doing it all evening, to be fair. Um, but well, we brought you on, obviously, that there's a game happening tomorrow between two of your former clubs. Um We've looked, we'll look at briefly at the, the two teams and, and, and the recent form between them, but for you, you were at the game last time when Blackpool scored a late injury time winner um, in the North Stand. Shane, there was no fans there, as, as you obviously full well know what the atmosphere can be like in uh, in the stadium. But you were live doing the commentary for the hall that evening. What what were your thoughts on on Blackpool first and foremost? A new side, seventeen plus signings this season, um, the attack, attacking team, I guess. And I guess you're impressed with what you saw on the night. Yeah, I was. I, I think uh, I've, I've seen Blackpool a couple of times this season, and they've sort of they've grown into the season. Um, they've got some. They've got some really good players. They've got that attacking threat where um, the, a goal can come from nothing. Really, I think in a way, from what I've seen, the manager's not always sure who are his best attacking three, and I think he needs to sort of choose that consistency because the whole game, um, Blackpool played well to a point, and it was only really when Gary Medine came on because he was sub that game, um, he came on and he sort of transformed. He doesn't, he doesn't even need to play that well. It's the fact that he's the focal point and you could see it lifted every other player um, around him and they knew they could play off him. And they just mm-hmm. looked at, Blackpool just looked a different team when he came on. Um, they just looked more threatening. I think Hull, Hull should uh, walk away with this league this season, but I think they've got, um, I watched them, I did the commentary against Fleetwood when they got absolutely battered 4-1 and, they they do seem to get those games where they do um, they can lose and they I think the manager did very well Grant McCann to keep his job at Hull after the end of last season and 
you sometimes think, oh, if a team can, like, I think they lost 8-0 to Wigan last year, something ridiculous in a relegation battle. And then if a team can do that for a manager, are they going to, are they really going to change a lot for the next season? So I think there's still a few question marks of all. They should go up, but the pressure will be on them. But for Blackpool, though, I thought it, it was a really good win. Um, and I think they've every chance of doing it again, because if they can mm-hmm. keep that defence solid, that, that attack will score against anyone, as, as they showed against West Brom. I guess you're right with that. And obviously on the flip side of that, we've seen Hull. I was at the game where they scored a late winner against Fleetwood to progress to the last eight, I think, of the Papa John's Trophy in, in midweek. Louis Cole scoring a screamer. I've seen him do that for three years and they've ended up in Rosehead. So uh, <laughs> a nice strike for him. But again, that's something for the manager and the players to look forward to. Uh, what, two or three games off Wembley now? And like you said, they're, they're not they're near enough there in the Football League as well, or League One. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, they're right at the top of the league, but um, it, it come, when the, there's so many games, um, it, that can take an effect as well. When you're in all the trophy, in all the cups and everything, and your league form can suffer. And I think at the moment, for a lot of clubs, it's it's that worry about are you going to have to stop some games for Corona? When are they going to replay them? I, I do, mm-hmm. I do quite a bit for Brentford, um, another one of my uh, old clubs, and they're going well, but they're. They're in the FA Cup. They just got knocked out to Spurs in the League Cup. They're going for the Championship and they've just had two games cancelled. So it's mm-hmm. all going to add up for them. So it, it it sometimes can be a curse, the Cup runs. Are you expecting a bit of a, a more of a goal fest tomorrow, do you think, between the two sides? Obviously, Hull have signed a few players, a former Blackpool player uh, this week. Is it Jordan Flores and, and Blackpool losing a player in uh, Dan Kemp who... Personally, I think, well, personally, I'd like to have kept him because I think he had something to give to the team despite not playing very often. But what are your, what are you expecting tomorrow, Ben? And I'll come to you, Tom, next. Uh, I, I, I think it'll be tight. Uh, like you say, I think there'll be goals because the, the, both their attacks are good. Uh, Malik Wilkes is very good for, for, um, for Hull. Um, so I, I expect both attacks to be on top. But I, I'm going to go for a, a Blackpool 2 1. I think. Hull, aren't, Hull have only won one of their last five league games. I know Blackpool aren't in great shape. I think their last last league win was against Hull, wasn't it? So <laughs> they've got that sort of psychological factor there. So um, neither team are going great in the league with their current form. But So it's going to be an interesting one, but there's always more pressure on Hull. Um, I've played for Hull, so I know what it's like, especially in the lower leagues. There's always more pressure for them because they're such a big club. Um, but... Blackpool, we want that pressure back because we want people mm-hmm. to start expecting more from Blackpool. I think they have to expect more from themselves. And I think with this new owner, um, he he expects things. He's putting a lot of money in. Um, he's got big ideas. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think the expectation needed to be raised after what's happened the last few years. If only you were at Blackpool and the good ownership. Anyway, um, <laughs> Tom, I'll, I'll come to you. Uh, obviously, a big game tomorrow. One of those teams who Blackpool should see as a kind of a, a playoff or promotion rival in that aspect. So what are your thoughts on the, the game tomorrow? Goals galore again or more of a tight affair? I can see goals. Uh, I think hole off them game a little bit but I think we did a good job in stopping them last time as well I think Ben may agree that we stopped them playing their their, their game that they'd like to sort of play um, we miss CJ so much and for me unless we can you know have someone start on that wing who's going to have a cracking game and run at players maybe a Mitchell or Labala to start growing into their sort of the wings a bit more I, I, I hate to say it but 
I can see Hull winning more than us tomorrow just because of our lack of creativity and that attack and threat. We can definitely do it. I think Yates and um, Medine can cause anyone problems on their day, as we've seen in the in the in the season so far. Um, but for me, I think they're 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 wanting to get things back to right, and they're at home and and they want to get that win. So we need to deal with them well defensively, and we've got some injuries at the back as well. So we have to chop and change the defence some more. So it will all depend on how we sh- shut them out initially and whether we can nick a goal, which we saw against Bristol Rovers. It's just how we continue being um, better in the match than we were against Bristol Rovers because we could have conceded five or six just after sort of the halftime whistle. So um, it'll be a tough match tomorrow. It's one that I'm not looking forward to for once. <laughs> Just a, a few comments here and a few questions for Ben as well. Before we move on to his um, luxurious career as he travelled across to the uh, glory lands of Australia for a season at Northern Spirit, which I thought at first was a nightclub, so that's how wrong I was at first. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the ground. Um, Nick said, uh, he comes across very well. I could listen to him uh, and his wisdoms for hours at Superfella. Obviously, Thanks, well liked along the... Um, <laughs> Uh, along the Blackpool fans, um, some of the, the questions. Bit of a funny one here from John. He says, uh, "How does it, how does scoring compare uh, to get the kids? Sorry, how does scoring a goal compare uh, to get the kids to get their sums correct? Obviously, teacher versus uh, scoring um, a goal. Not sure what he means it's, by that. It's, it's a lot easier to score a goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's that um, it's that different high and like yeah. um, mentioned previously, it's." It's a feeling that can't be recreated. So many footballers struggle with it. So many footballers mm-hmm. struggle with life after football because you yeah. just can't get that feeling. And I love—I actually love doing my job, my teacher job. Most most teachers spend their life complaining about something, but <laughs> I, I enjoy it and I, and I love helping the kids. But um, it's not—it's not—it's not the same as scoring a goal. But it's good <laughs> in a different—it's good in a different way. Well, we'll come back to the, uh, a little bit on that when we kind of go for your career and, and post football. Um, in that, just a question from Gareth before we uh, move on. He says, "Does Ben regret not staying uh, for the Premier League season, uh, or was first team football more important for you?" I'll put you another spot with that one. Um, fantastic question. I think um, I'd <laughs> I wouldn't do anything if I just thought about all of the opportunities <laughs> I've missed out on and things. Um, I'm, I'm going to start crying in a minute now. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah, Notts County was an absolutely dreadful decision, but at the time. It seemed like the right thing to do. Um, Blackpool, Ian Holloway said he wanted me to stay, but then he disappeared for the summer. Um, obviously, I, I, <laughs> the chairman wasn't wasn't um, forthcoming in offering me a contract, <laughs> Carl Oyston. So um, it, I was stuck, really. I, I, I knew I was getting towards the end of my career. Um, Knox County, Craig Short was manager, who I, I was with at Blackburn uh, in the reserves, and I knew he was a really good guy convinced me said oh it's going to be brilliant we're going to do this this and um yeah so I decided to sign for Notts County and yeah I I always think it it could have been or I could have sat on the bench and not done anything for Blackpool but I also I can't stand and it's probably to my detriment um being someone who does who's not involved and doesn't um who doesn't contribute and and I hate that and the thought of just hanging around and not contributing at Blackpool um it 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 wouldn't have been good for me I wouldn't have liked it and 
I just felt like it was the right move. But in the end, I didn't contribute much in Notts County. <laughs> Notts County. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just, I've got a lot of stories about Notts County at least, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a very bad decision. We moved to Nottingham, hated it. My wife hated it. Um, ended up moving back. And in my second year at Notts County, we ended up moving back to, to Lytham. And in my second year at Notts County, I used to drive every morning from Lytham. Um, wow. So, yeah. and it used to be 280 miles a day. <laughs> wow. I used to be like the wooden man when I used to get out of my car. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, crazy, t- crazy times. But yeah, I, I do regret it, but it was one of those things I did what I thought was best mm-hmm. sort of for my, for my family, for my future. I knew I didn't have long left in football, so it, it was what it was. You initially started your career at Blackburn, obviously didn't spend too long playing for them. You went out on loan quite a lot, a couple of successful spells. Um, tell us how you sort of started off your football career at Blackburn. How did you sort of initially sign for them? Um, well, I was I was at Everton from four, 14 to 16 and they wanted me to sign. Um, it was like a, a YTS in those days, YTS then professional contract. But then Blackburn sort of rang me and Blackburn said, oh, come come and have a look at our facilities. They've just got a new training ground. Um, it's really nice at, at Brock Hall, it's called. Uh, so I went down with my mum and dad and it's just everything, It just everything about it seemed right. The, all the players stay sort of together on the training ground. Um, it, it just ticked so many boxes and the, I knew the coach was really good. He tried to sign me at Wolves when I was 13 or 14. So I just decided that Sort of, I'm a mum and dad. My mum and dad were impressed with them, um, so we just decided to sign for Blackburn, and I think they had to pay some compensation, which made me an absolute legend at school because I think it might have been even been in like a little tidbit in the sun or something. Blackburn for hundred grand or something like that. I'm like, how much Brilliant. do you get a bit? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, so. I started at Blackburn. It was brilliant, and I re- yeah, I really enjoyed it. I lived at the training ground. There was like two houses with must have been. 16 lads and then an old couple lived next door that was supposed to look after us. So it was just, it was carnage, but we were such a tight team and we won the under-17s Premier League that season, uh, like beat Arsenal, United, City. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really good and I'm st- still in touch with a lot of those boys. But then I've always, like I said before, I've always been impatient and when I got to 18, I'm like, I want to be in the first team and stuff. And back then just signed striker after striker in those days. It's like, um, it was Sutton, uh, Chris Sutton, Kevin Gallagher, and then we had Nathan Blake, and then we had Edgar Ostenstad, then we had Ashley Ward. Um, there was just one, Matt Janssen, just strikers all the time. And I was very impatient. I used to play in the reserves and score goals, but I wouldn't be getting anywhere. Um, and then Graeme Sooners came in, and on his first day, we had a uh, sort of a reserve game on the training ground. He came and watched, and I didn't think I played that well, but he absolutely loved me for some reason. Like, Got me training with the first team the next day. Um, played me in a couple of games at the end of the season. Like got me involved, and it, it was fantastic. And then I came back for preseason the next year, feeling really good, thinking, "Oh, I might get a chance." I, I was still, I think, I was eighteen, and he just said, "Look, Ben, you could, you, you might play a few games, but we need to get." I think we're in the championship at that stage. He said, "We need to get promotion. I'm going to sign mm-hmm. some big strikes. I need experienced players. Really like you, but you can hang around or you can go on loan." And then. Australia that it was Northern Spirit so they were owned by Glasgow Rangers at the time um, oh wow so that's why Graham Sooners knew it and 
he sort of <laughs> said, well, I said, right, I'll go on loan then. So I don't want to, he said, there's no point you playing reserve football. You don't get anything out of it. It's, it's too unrealistic. So um, he said, you can either go to Sydney for a year or you can go to Rochdale. <laughs> so I'm like, see ya. Um, he, said, he said when, when he was younger, um, he went to America when he was quite young for it. And he said it helped him grow up and mature and everything. And he's, um, he, he recommended that I did it. He might have just done that to get rid of me for a year. But, uh, yeah, he said, he said to do that. And, um, I went and I, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was loads of fun. I, like I lived on my own for the first time. I had a flat in Sydney. Um, they got me a car and I was just at the beach. I was just, yeah, it was just an amazing lifestyle. Football went really well. I got, I think I got young player of the year in the, um, in the league, top scorer. So. Yeah, that side of it was really good. But then I came back from Australia, obviously, at start of the next season. Again, I'm like, what's happening, Gaffer? Am I going to play? And he's like, no, you're not going to play much. You can hang around. And I said, well, no, I want to go on loan. And he said, well, then we've got there's about eight, eight or nine teams for you to choose to go on loan to. Um, so I, was like, I, didn't, I didn't have a clue where to go. And then um, Brentford came in and Steve Koppel, Steve Koppel rang me. Um, it was almost like a meat market in those days. When you're in the reserves in 18, 19, you play a reserve game and there'd just be scouts and managers from the lower leagues there just ready to take your loan and like your mate would go and they wouldn't be there the next day because they'd gone on loan somewhere. So we're all going on loan. And I wanted to make sure I went somewhere on loan that I was going to play uh, somewhere I'd enjoy it. So um, Steve Koppel rang from Brentford, uh, said, we're playing Wigan. Uh, on Saturday, come and meet me in the hotel. We'll have a beer on Friday night, and we'll discuss it. So I thought, Steve Koppel, I'm a man. I'm a Man City fan, so yeah, he wasn't um, my favourite person after leaving after about twenty days. But I went to meet him, and what a guy! He was he was brilliant, and we just had, we had a pint together, and he just said, Ben, uh, you've got a position in my team. It's up to you to lose it, sort of thing. Uh, as long as you play well, you're going to play. So I said, Yeah, I'll do it. So Assigned and it, it was just it was brilliant. I gelled with all the players. Um, it was a completely different world compared to Blackburn. Like I remember on my first first day's training, got there, um, I trained did did quite well. Like it was it felt easy because I'd come from Blackburn where the tempo was so high. Um, did, did well in training. Took my train in the change rooms. Took my training kit off. Put it threw it in the middle of the floor. Um, went to get a shower, came back and someone went, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean what am I doing? Like, you need to pick up your training kit and take it home and wash it. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, obviously, I had to get used to that at Blackpool, but coming from Blackburn, we had everything done for us. We were pampered. So, yeah, he was getting used to little things like that. But the season went really well, scored 18 goals. Steve Coppola, I think he's still one of my favourite ever managers. Very, very intelligent guy. And, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. So, yeah, it was... I guess- uh, I was Good. I guess as a young player, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be some young players who might listen or, or watch this, Ben, but how important was it for you to go out on loan and experience men's football at, at that age? Because as you said, there's some clubs now, even you go to Fleetwood and they've got a £10 million training complex, but actually going out there to a club you don't know, place you don't know, moving potentially or obviously renting somewhere for a year. But how important was that for you in your football development? Uh, to go out on loan to these clubs? It was huge. And you see it more and more now. Um, it's, yeah, it 
you play in the reserves and you could score a goal and it, it, you could play amazing, but you know you're not really going to get in the first team. Um, you'd be playing well in the reserves and then suddenly the first team manager might decide that he wants to play two of his reserve, his, stri- his experienced strikers in the reserves to give him a game and then suddenly you sat on the bench and you think, geez, I've been playing well, like it's just not fair sort of thing. So yeah, it, it was huge and actually fighting for something and, and like like mentioned before seeing the fans and it, and it meaning more to people these are people's jobs and these are people's lives mm-hmm. like fighting for it and um yeah it was just great and the lads at Brentford were were fantastic at I, just living in my, my friend was at university in London at the same time so it was just like the lifestyle was brilliant I went from Australia that was amazing to, to living <laughs> in London and it was just at that stage of my career I I didn't. I, all, all I thought was, all I had was success. Like all everything that was happening was just going well, and I was scoring goals and being linked to this and that, and it just seemed like this is what my career is always going to be like. I'm going to get on with everyone. Manager is always going to be brilliant. I'm always going to score goals and be happy. Um, but yeah, I took that for granted. But yeah, it was. It, it's so important because. You see players now, and they'll go on loan, and they just can't handle it. Players that have been at Man United for from eight years old, I know loads of them, um, from eight years old to all the way to 18. And then they think the world beaters and they go on loan and they just can't handle it. They can't handle the intensity. Um, reserve football, academy football is very slow. doesn't mean anything. Um, it's all about learning. Suddenly it's, it's, that's stopped. Now you're fighting for, um, fighting for something. You're fighting for the fans. You can't let them down. You've got people screaming in your face, the managers, the coaches. It's no softly, softly. Um, the other players are smashing you in training. The, you suddenly get all these things where you, that you've not encountered before, like the more experienced strikers sulking because I'm here. People saying, oh, he's come from Blackburn, blah, blah, blah. And you just have to get used to it. And mm-hmm. So much of football is psychological. If you're not mentally strong, I, I wouldn't say I'm the men, most mentally strong, but I'm somebody that, or that I can sort of go into a room and get on with most people. Um, to sort of got that sense of humour where I can make people laugh, which sort of and can endear me to people. But I've seen so many people, good players as well, just can't handle it in, in the changing rooms. And it's sort of sad that that's, that's the way it is. But that, that's football. I remember when I was 17 and the first time I trained with the first team at Blackburn, um, I trained, thought I did well. Like I was so excited coming off the training ground thinking, I'm going to ring my mum and tell her I, I tra- trained with the first team. And Chris Sutton, who was there at the time, just came up to me and went, you ruined that, didn't you, Ben? Blew your chance there. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He went, you were terrible, weren't you? You're not going to get another chance. You just think, like, you've won the Premier League. I can't be that much of a threat that you'd need to be horrible to me. <laughs> and you, I knew I'd done all yeah. right, but it's just those little doubts. And then, it, but you get that all over football and there's always those people. There's always unhappy players that will try and make other people's life hell. And football is it, so much mental. Like, you People don't realise because there's so many skillful players out of football, but they just haven't got it mentally to to handle the stick, to handle um, the manager, to the the other players. It, it can be, yeah. It, it you sort of get tested, especially when you go somewhere new. It's um, not quite. I wouldn't say it's quite like prison, but they're going to be tested <laughs> to find you where you are in the pecking order. Um, of course, you'll, yeah. you'll get things, and then it's just how you respond. And sadly, I've seen so many players just crumble and go away from it and it is it is very like I I can't believe people like Cristiano Ronaldo Messi 
Um, those players, Man United even, as a City fan, when they won the league all the time, they were relentless. Like it was never enough for them. And mm-hmm. to have that every day is just unbelievable mental toughness. And yeah, and football is, you see people saying, oh, I could have made it, I could have done this, could have done that, I can do this. But it is, it's a lot harder than people think when you, when you get into it. I'll let Tom ask the question after as we move to, to Hull, but obviously two loan spells um, out and then a move to Stockport. I believe it was in the region of £400,000, which was kind of a lot of money back then. Um, obviously 19 games, four goals from from what I've researched. And then obviously a loan spell to Alderman and then to where we'll come on to a bit more is Hull City. But a time in your career where you thought that move was was the right one at the time, but maybe when you look back, it, it wasn't, or is it a different case there? It, it was, it was as equally <laughs> as bad as the Notts County one. It was, oh, I still, I still regret that. Graham's, I remember they were really pushing for me. I, I was happy to go back to Blackburn and just see, because I'd had that good season out on loan and I know they'd sent people to watch me. Um, that Dean Saunders was on the coaching staff and he used to come and watch me quite a bit and I knew that they quite liked me. Graham Soon has always been fine with me. And I thought, oh, this is my chance. Um, but then Stockport kept ringing. And I was I remember just before going back for pre-season, I think it was the day before, I was just lying in bed and I got a phone call saying, Ben, who's my agent, Stockport County put in a bit of 450 grand. Um, Blackburn have accepted it. Go, you fly, I booked your flight to go to Scotland where Stockport were on a pre-season training to do um, your medical and stuff. And I just, I was thinking, right, okay. Um, and I spoke to Graham Soonis and Graham Soonis was like, look, Ben, I think I could regret selling you. Please don't, please don't think you have to go because I'm quite happy for you to stay. But Stockport are really keen on you. Um, just be careful with Carlton Palmer. And then <laughs> I, thought, I didn't heed that warning and I, and I went and it was just, oh my, it was just terrible. He's the worst manager I've ever, I've yeah. had some bad managers, but it was just awful. We just, I don't even know why he signed me. He just didn't like me. I didn't like him. He just used to argue all the time. And he, he wasn't he was he just player manager at the time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He was absolute tactical genius. We one game, <laughs> one game we, we were playing someone rubbish at home, and we drew one all. But we kicked off at twelve. Um, so we came back into the changing room. Everyone's down. Carlton's not not in the changing room. So like, where where is he? And then he comes in and goes. It's all right, boys. Everyone else in the league's drawn nil-nil. And he'd looked at teletext, you know, before the game starts. And in the old days, he just used to have nil-nil. Because we'd kicked off at 12 then. We are like, they haven't even kicked off yet, Carlton. And it's just stuff like that. Like, he'd make three substitutions and then go and tell you to warm up. You're like, well, I can't come on. It's impossible. Um, it, it just And he'd play himself at sweeper. Sweeper, like you need a sweeper in League One. And he'd be... He'd be Practically level with a goalkeeper, he'd be that far back. And he'd just do stupid things like we weren't allowed to wear jumpers or coats in training uh, in winter. And he'd come out in like a big winter coat, hat on, it just just stuff like that. And every, and I, I didn't like it. I wanted to leave straight away. And he used to say, um, well, no one wants you, Ben. And I said, well, I think they do. And he'd say, well, no one wants you. You're rubbish. You, you're no good. You never make as much money as me. I'm like, I'm sure I won't, Carlton, but... I just want to leave. And then after every game, he'd, he'd, <laughs> we'd lose and stuff. His favourite saying was like, Rome wasn't built in a day. We'd all be like, yeah, but some of the foundations were in. 
Um, <laughs> he'd, he'd say after the game, he'd go, right, if you don't want to be here, tell me now. And I'd say, I don't want to be here, Carlton. He's like, shut up, you. You're, you're staying. I'm like, I don't want to be here. So eventually, I managed to get out on loan to Oldham uh, with Ian Dowie. Ian Dowie's a really good guy, actually. He's um, he, he was doing well, but he he's another one. Like you meet these managers, and they just they're completely different. Uh, Carlton's training was terrible. Ian Dowie couldn't do enough training. It was six o'clock in the swimming pool. Then you were doing boxing, and then you were doing um, your normal training. Then it was optional training in the afternoon, which everyone went to. Uh, and it was just, I think that's why they blew up a little bit older towards the end there. And um, he was a really good guy, a really good manager, but he was just doing a little bit too much. I remember my first day with him, I was, <laughs> we, we were doing boxing and I'm, he's, the, you're in threes. And he said, right, Ben, kneel down and just try and cover yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Ian Dowie on one side, the goalie on the other side. And they had to punch me for a minute. Well, I was kneeling down and I, and I had to just block for a minute. It was just mental. Uh, well, it was different. It was fun. It was uh, it was good. Uh, so, yeah, I was there. And then Peter Taylor, who was Brighton manager when I was at Brentford and I played well against, he's, he wanted to sign me for Hull. Oldham didn't have enough money. So uh, he said, come to Hull. Carlton tried to stop it a few times. And then finally I managed to get to Hull. And to be honest, I would have gone, I would have gone anywhere. I would have gone <laughs> to play for anyone to get out of Stockport County. So it was just it just happened to be a fantastic club in Hull. Yeah, just for those who are watching, Tom's just gone to I think his AirPods have run out of battery. Preparation is key, even on a podcast, <laughs> just like football. But I, I, I guess Ben, when, when we move on to Hull, obviously Blackpool's opponents uh, this weekend, two thousand and three, joined after that loan spell at, at Oldham. I think it was, what, 70 games, 24 goals from obviously the research we've done and the first player to score a, a hat-trick at the, the KCOM Stadium. Again, a fantastic milestone and achievement for you. And I've just been there on Tuesday to take some pictures um, and kind of the career hours go down. It's a, a magnificent stadium and, and one that deserves a team like that to be a lot higher in the, the football pyramid. Yeah, definitely. I think people don't realise how big Hull is. It's like... I think it's the fifth largest city in um, in England. It's it's absolutely huge, and it it's strange in a way because there's just no apart from Leeds, there's no really decent teams around there. So it's just Hull, like everything's Hull. It's the rugby or it's the football, and they're really into it, really passionate. And I remember they just moved into the stadium when I signed, and Peter Taylor was showing me around, and I knew he was an amazing coach because he, he, I think he was doing England at the time as well. And he said, look, Ben, we're going to get all these players in. We're going to get promotion next season. So this was just at the end of the season when I signed. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't tell him that I would have gone anywhere. But <laughs> he, um, yeah, so he, we decided to sign. And it was just, yeah, it's just amazing. From from the first, I think it was like my second or third game when I scored, was it when I scored a hat-trick, I think? Yeah, I think it was the second or third second, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, just from there, it was just brilliant. The people of Hull, I've got on really well with them. I played some of my best football, um, scoring loads of goals. We had a really good team, obviously going for a promotion. And then it was the end of that season that I saw I did my knee, and then that was that was it really. That I, I just remember that that game. I think it was about three games to go in the season. We played Huddersfield, and Peter Taylor just said to me before the game, "Oh Ben, there's um, there's a few Premier League teams watching you tonight." Make sure you do well. 
and then I just had that. Then I did my knee, and obviously, literally from there, it's never, it's never been the same. I've never been the same. So yeah, it was, it was. I loved my time at Hull, but in the end, it's it sort of well, it's crippled me, I suppose. Yeah. A psych in in your head, and and he talks about the game being quite psychological, and you've got to be um, quite strong mentally to prepare yourself for for games. And you talked about Ronaldo and, and Messi having that mentality to to be better and better every day. I guess when you you're injured and, and that's playing in your mind, potentially that could have ended your career in some respects, if you don't mind me saying. But on that hindsight, you must have had a strong. Uh, mentality to make sure that you were in rehab and getting fit for for that next, that next move, which was ultimately the one to Blackpool. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a nightmare. They thought it was just a cruciate um, tear, so I went in for surgery in Hull. And the, when the guy opened my knee up, he, he realised it was a lot worse, so he wouldn't do it. He said he couldn't do it. He said, "Oh, I, I wouldn't be able to get him back playing." So then, like, I, I woke up and said. But how was how did the op go? And like we we couldn't do it; it was too bad. And then it's like, oh well, who's going to do it? And then loads of people in England wouldn't do it because it was there's, there's all sorts in there. And then in the end, I had to go to Switzerland um, to this guy who deals with ski injuries because it was it was sort of that bad. Um, and he, he said, look, I'll do it because just because he was crazy. But he said, I'll do it. But there's no guarantee you'll be you'll be able to play football. And then um, he did it. And I was I was in a brace for four months on crutches for three months, and it took me a year. And I came back, and it it wasn't right. It was still stiff. I couldn't. Stra- I still can't straighten my leg. Um, then I played for a bit, and I actually played in the championship. Scored a few goals, not being able to kick it with my left foot. And I, I used to hide that. I I was just kicking it. I'm a, I'm left footed as well, so I got really good on my right foot. But I was playing in the championship, not being able to kick the ball with my left foot. It's like. It was just crazy, but I didn't see that I had any other options. So I wanted to carry on playing football and I, I could disguise it to a certain degree. I, I remember Soccer AM came and it was the moment I'd been dreading because it was a crossbar challenge and thinking, I can't kick it on my left foot. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I, I had to pretend I was being cocky and try it on my right foot. Um, obviously, I missed, but it wasn't too bad an effort. But um, yeah, it was just little things like that. And a, a few weeks after that, I did, I did my knee again, um, another little operation, but it sort of, when I came back from that one, it, it, it loosened it a little bit and it wasn't too bad. So um, I could at least kick it with my left foot for a bit then. Uh, so it was better, but I think in all, I've had 15 operations on my knee. Um, mm-hmm. Need a knee operation, uh, knee replacement soon, all those sort of things. But when you're young, you think, what do I need a knee for after football <laughs> anyway? You just think, <laughs> I'm going to play football as long as I can. What would I need a knee for when I'm 40? And then, but suddenly, when you have kids, you realise, yeah, maybe I do need a knee for stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did my knee a few times at Hull, managed to come back, and then uh, um, Peter Taylor had gone, and um, Phil Parkinson had come in. He was he was trying to change a lot of things, which he, as a manager you shouldn't do when you're coming into a club that's doing well. And I remember on his first day. Him and his fitness coach went up to Nick Bar- Nick Barnby, England legend, like <laughs> Premier League. You shouldn't be stretching like that, Barnes. And it's like <laughs> he's a really nice guy, Nick Barnby. So he's like, "What? What do you mean? Like, well, you shouldn't be doing static stretching. You should be um, doing stretching on the move. So stop that now." And Barnes, Barnes just gone. What? And he, Phil Barnes used to get us to 
like get the t- try and get the team to play like sort of long ball football. And we'd have loads of games where um, we play the first team, his first team against the rest of us. And we beat them all the time because Barnes wasn't playing. And Barnes was used to like sort of drill us and coach us and say, right, we'll pass it round him and stuff. And it used to drive Phil Parkinson mad. But um, yeah, so he, he just said, Ben, you can, um, you can go. You can go. Um, I said, I said I wanted to go anywhere. And he said, well, Brighton want you. Blackpool want you. Um, and then I think Crystal Palace, Peter Taylor, Crystal Palace said I could go there as well. But I think that was more of a token one from Peter Taylor. So I said, thanks, but no thanks. And um, yeah, so it was Brighton or Blackpool really in the end. And then ironically, Chris Sutton rang me because he was manager. Some I can't remember, maybe Lincoln or something. I'm like, no, not after you. So horrible. To <laughs> yeah. uh, that's called karma. How the mighty have sunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, and Simon Grayson was at Blackpool at the time, and I was with Simon at Blackburn in the reserves because uh, he was just coming sort of to, towards the end of his career. I was just starting mine, and I always got on really well with him. Um, he knew, knew what type of person I was. Uh, so he, he said, "Yep, yeah, I want I want to sign you, and we we we're building." Uh, I remember coming down and he's like, "Show me the plans. We're going to build the stadium." And I remember got the first day of training because I knew Keith Southern, and I said, "Keith, what about this building the stadium, like filling it in and stuff?" And all anyway, <laughs> tell everyone that then. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh right," <laughs> but yeah, it was um, yeah, it, it was it was it was good to get signed, and I remember just sat in Simon Grayson's office trying to get it to go through because it, it's, you don't realise, but it was deadline day and every move can only happen when a move happens before. It's like, mm-hmm. um, how it's by like buying a house, but everyone doing it on the same day. So I think Hull wanted to sign Nicky Forster. So they wouldn't sell me until they'd sign Nicky Forster from Reading and Reading wouldn't, Sell Nicky Forster till they'd sign someone else. So we, we were just waiting till the sort of the last minute, and then it, it was done. But um, yeah, I managed to get through the medical. But my, <laughs> I, I, I refused to t- like in a medical. Depending on what club you're at, they can be pretty comprehensive, or they can be not much. And the agreement uh, I'd made sort of with Simon Grayson was that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be um, doing a medical. I wouldn't be showing them physio my left knee. And, and that's that was it. So the visual went right. Take your jeans off, and my agent just went, "Nope." It's like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "No, he's not. You can you can sign him from what you've seen, or we'll go." And then, so fortunately, we we managed to sign. Um, but yeah, and it, I think I think it worked out. It was um, it was really it was really good. I, at the start, I remember I was sub for the first game against Millwall away, and I'm thinking, what. I said to Simon, like, what, why have you signed me? Like, I want to play. You know, I'm that impatient. But um, eventually I got in, didn't start so well, and then started playing better. I think it was Brighton away where we won 4-1 on on TV. But And I did my hamstring that game. So then I was out. And there's nothing worse than coming to a new club and being out injured. Um, all you want to do is prove to everyone that, you, that you're a decent player. And, yeah, it was – but off the pitch, it was – like we're all getting on well. There's so many players. He, Simon Grayson, I'll always say that he is one of his best um, attributes is his ability to sign the right players at the right time. Like everyone he signed, you think like Andy Morrell, Klaus Jorgensen, Ian Everett came that season. Simon Gillett did well when he played Carl Dickinson. And then uh, was it Robbie Williams at the end who scored the, who was the free kick specialist? Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it was he was really good, and obviously Wes as well, Wes Houlihan. So he's really good at getting the right players in the right time and training. It it was very much like the best the best team spirit I've had is Brentford, Hull, and Blackpool, and it, it was the same where we're all together all the time. I think I think clubs lose that when players don't live in the area, um, and at Blackpool we all sort of lived close by. And it made it easier because all the wives and girlfriends got on well. And we'd regularly go out as a massive group, you know, like all the wives and girlfriends. Um, with Time for a quick break in proceedings to say, if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support programme. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up. The boys, sometimes all the girls would go out, sometimes all the boys would go out. It, it was just, it was nice, and when you get that... Um, Obviously, alcohol is not great for sport, but when you get that sort of camaraderie that you can have a laugh off the pitch and it's just, yeah, it's just nice. And then you suddenly, when you stood in the tunnel and you go into battle and you think, yeah, these boys have got my back or I know he cares. And, you know, like sometimes, sometimes on a night out, you'll have an argument with someone and the truth will come out and it, it really helps. And uh, those sort of things that people don't always think about and, I know a few managers, I think even Evo said it the other day about his Bolton one, saying how hard it is to be a manager when players can't socialise together, um, especially yeah. a new manager bringing in a lot of players. And when you look at Blackpool, it's going to be like that. You bring 17, 18 players in. You want them to gel, but there's no opportunities for them to gel. So um, those sort of considerations that people don't always think about. But yeah, Blackpool, it was that, um, that core of the team was, was really good and we all got on really well. I think um, <clears throat> one of the players you said there was had a bit of a, a feisty attitude. It's Klaus Jorgensen. Who would you say when you first sort of joined and was your biggest sort of influence and made you feel comfortable? Um, and what was it like being part of that um, the perfect ten sort of season? Because we, you know, you could see the camaraderie there and and the spirit in that team as well. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I knew a few of them. I knew um, Keith Southern from when I was younger from Everton. I'd, I'd played against um, a lot of them. I knew Scott Vernon from a brief spell at Oldham. Um, but I think when you sign and there's lots of other new ones. Oh yeah, Mark. How could I forget Mark Joseph, MJ? Yeah, I knew him from Hull, so uh, that helped. So he was the one that helped me settle in. Uh, I lived with him for a little bit as well. Um, now our now our our boys are in the uh, same class at school, so. Which is strange. Um, both football obsessed. So yeah, it's um, yeah those sort of. It was probably MJ the most, and then you just make new friends. I've always been fortunate in that I can go into a changing room, new places, and sort of get on with people. So yeah, and then I was close with um, Klaus, uh, Evo. Yeah, we we just socialised together. We'd always be doing. We'd always be together. You know, on the weekend, you'd be doing something with them, and it was just—it was just nice. It was easy, um, and from there, things things just got better and better. And for me personally, that season, I was injured most of it, and then I sort of came back towards the end on the perfect. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At 10, but it was even like Joe Hart. Remember Joe Hart came? Yeah. He didn't even concede a goal in training, let alone came. <laughs> he was he was just ridiculous. How, how we got Joe Hart, it was just, and what a guy he was. He was brilliant. I remember him getting drunk with us on the way back from Swansea on the coach. He was just like one of the other guys. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things. People just came in and they, they loved playing for us and they loved sort of the camaraderie we had. And towards the, the end of that season, you, you just never felt like we were going to lose it was just sort of yeah we'll get promotion we'll we'll win we've just got so many so many good players so many good strong players everyone playing well there was no it wasn't like Ian Holloway where we were tactically well drilled it was sort of just we had good players working together and it, yeah and a little Wes obviously was a magician he's just unbelievable like he could go around everyone in training twice and score and then other days he couldn't even kick the ball. But yeah, he's uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. Wes, really good lad. And obviously he went on to have a fantastic career as well. But yeah, it was it was a really good really good season there. For me personally, I didn't play as much as I should uh, as I should have done. But um, yeah, I had a better season in the the first season in the championship. Yeah, just going to read some of the comments out. You might have seen some on the the screen already. Um, I've asked for the favourite perfect ten moment. So one MB says, I think Scunthorpe at home. I think there was a maybe a few sendings off it in that game, if I remember rightly. John Aspinall says has to be the the Swansea game away from home, which you've alluded to there. And there's a few others saying the same thing. That good point. There's the day Mad- Madeline McCann went missing as well. I think it was all over the newspapers. Um, and Matt Smith says Swansea away. I thought we were going to get absolutely battered by a mob afterwards, but they applauded us away from the ground out of respect of how well we played. I've noticed you didn't travel in that game, didn't play a game from the 10th of March till uh, the second leg of the playoffs in the 3-1 win over Oldham. Was that down to, to injury or just that uh, yeah, it was, people came out of the team? My, <laughs> it was my knee. Yeah, my knee. It was, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. That's just the way it is. With my knee, I, it was literally, I didn't know what it would be like when I woke up. So, I could wake up one day and my knee would be fine. I could wake up another day and it could be swollen and I can't even bend it. So yeah, it, it was it was that it was that bad sort of my knee and it yeah, I missed I missed a off at the start of my career before I did my knee, I'd play fifty odd games a season, never miss training, never miss a game. And I hated missing games and then just my knee just it just literally wouldn't allow it and then obviously that sort of deteriorated as I came towards the end of my career. I want to move on. Obviously, Blackpool fans will remember two seasons. Most recently, the the 2009-2010, the year, well, say 2009, the year Ian Holloway came in. I guess he was 
another character that you come across in in football. I remember reading a story about Brett saying he made all the players watch Coach Carter um, for team bonding. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it the other day, to be fair, for the first time. It was I can understand why he got uh, um, up for it. But that season, away at QPR, first game, you score the goal to obviously give us a point. I think we drew the first yeah. two games of that season. I think it was Watford and... Um, it says QPR on here. I've got, I always thought Cardiff was one of those games, but it's not mentioned on here. No, I, um, I thought Ian Everett scored a good goal that day. Um, but yeah, to start that season off under a new manager, scoring that goal, it must have been a good feeling for you that you know you're going to be part of, uh, well, maybe didn't know all the time, that something special at Blackpool Football Club. Yeah, it's, it, it was a strange time because Tony Parks was sort of caretaker manager because Larry had gone to Leeds and it, um, Tony had managed to keep, keep us up. Um, so we all expected Tony to be manager the next season, but then obviously we got Ian Holloway and no no one knew what to expect. And we came in first day of pre-season. First day of pre-season is usually a nightmare. It's just run, run, run. Um, he met, he got us all to come to Bloomfield Road. We went up upstairs to into the um, the big room upstairs and he, sat, he just sat down and he talked to us for about two hours. Like, oh my God. This guy just, and, but he doesn't feel like two hours. You know, when you say someone's talked to you for two hours, you think, oh, that'll be boy. But just like, you're, you just, half of it, you're in disbelief at what he's saying, but he just captivates you. And he's just, he's just, he's just amazing. Just different than anyone I've, I've, I've seen, sort of any other manager I've seen. I've, um, is, there's probably only Martin Allen that's madder than him, but, yeah, he was. He was a lot. He's a lot more intelligent than people give him credit for. He, and he, he sort of said, "Right, I've, I've been off football for a year." He, his enthusiasm, like you could see, he was like just itching to get back to it. <laughs> he's like, I've been off football for a year, and I've been watching Barcelona a lot. So we're going to play like this. And he just <laughs> came up with his system, and he's talking about right. So the fullbacks are going to push on, and it's it's like everyone plays now, really. Um, like Man City play, like all those teams play. Um, it's it's what they do now, but he was doing it, what, 10 years ago, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he said, right, so the full-backs are going to push on, the centre-halves are going to split to receive the ball, central midfielder's going to come and get it from the goalkeeper, or three attacking players are just going to stay up front, and we're all just like, has he seen us play before? <laughs> and he's, like, he's going, we're going to get in the playoffs this year, and we're like, we only just avoided relegation. So, we, we we started training. I remember as a striker, it was brilliant because the first few training sessions, he was just working on the defence, passing it out from the back, you know, getting it from the goalie. And because our defence are just used to getting it and just pretty much getting rid of it, as a striker, we just kept tackling them and scoring and training. So we looked really good. But and, and the, but the the thing is, when a new when any there's ever any change in anything, any walk of life, people only believe in it if they get success and. I think very fortunately we were unbeaten in that pre-season um, and you start to think maybe he's not as mad as mad as we uh, we thought. Maybe he's actually got something here. And suddenly you've got players that wouldn't necessarily have taken the risk suddenly looking world beaters on the ball. Like Evo's fantastic on the ball. Like his, his range of passing, his touch, excellent. Um, all those sort of players, and they just grew into it. And I think Baps was the the biggest one that just yeah he he really took it on and he was fantastic and he he just had the, he had the team perfectly and it's probably 
the the best, the most well drilled I've ever been in a team. In in the way that we used to in training, which it can get tedious. Players don't really like it, but you don't realise how good it is for you till afterwards. That we do team shape, which just eleven. You'd have eleven players that were probably starting on the Saturday, and then stood behind them on a pitch. He'd have the other other eleven, and he'd just play out from the back. He'd just, you'd get the goalkeeper, so you'd be playing unopposed. Like mm. one eleven would play for a few minutes, and then the next eleven would play, and he'd stop it constantly. So, say if Stephen Craney had the ball at left back, he'd say he'd stop it and he'd look all the way around the pitch and say, "Right, where should you be if you're the right winger?" Um, so he'd make sure whoever had the ball, everyone else knew what position they should be in at every opportunity. He'd stop it constantly. And as a football, all you want to do is just, right, let us play, let us play. But we were so well drilled. And then those players would stop. The next 11 would go in and you'd play in different positions. And you, at the time, I didn't. you don't really realise, you, you just go through it. And But then you suddenly see... It didn't really matter who got injured. Someone had just come in and play in that position. And you'd find yourself, no, you'd learn a bit more about the game as well because you'd know where such and such a body should be at a certain time. And he sort of evolved his formation. He had his idea, but he, he sort of let it evolve a little bit and he changed things here and there. But yeah, it was amazing. He just, we all bought into it because we were getting success and we were so well drilled. Like everyone knew where everyone should be. And, um, we, we, we should never have got promotion from that division with the players we had, really. Um, obviously, we, some players really grew that season, um, went on to be fantastic. But at the start of that season, we would have been favourites for relegation. And it just, it just, we just couldn't be stopped, really. It was that belief in ourselves. And it, what I loved about playing for Blackpool, especially in the Championship, was going to those teams that had like Birmingham and places like that, you know, that thought they were brilliant. and They'd always try and belittle us, and then we'd just beat them away from home, and you just see that sea of tangerine in the away end, and you'd be at this massive stadium, and it's just <laughs> our our boys celebrating. I used to love that. I used to like being the underdog was was fantastic, and yeah, that that season was just unreal. Little things that Ian Holloway would do, like you say, watch Coach Carter. Um, one time he hired, we'd just turn up at training. You didn't know what we'd do. Sometimes we'd just go to the cafe of a bacon butty. Sometimes we'd just go walk on the beach. Um, he hired the Sandcastle one time, which was brilliant. I love, I love the Sandcastle. It's like my favourite place. So he hired that just for us. And we're just running around like kids on a Friday before a game. It's it just little things, and it just makes you relax. Uh, takes the takes the pressure off you. He'd love a meeting. He loved a meeting, just talking about anything. Once you got him going, he'd just be. He he just wouldn't stop. But I, I remember in preseason and training after after about a week. We were walking back in after training and he just said to me, um, you're a good player, you aren't you, Ben? You're a lot better than I thought you were. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez, thanks. Um, but yeah, he, he, he knew the right things to say to people. And he sort of, he was really good for me because he understood about my knee. And at that stage, if I played on a Saturday, I, um, I struggled to walk until Monday. Um, I couldn't run until maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. So what I would I was doing at that stage was I'd play Saturday and then I'd just be in the swimming pool, the gym until Thursday. And then I'd train Thursday, Friday, play Saturday. And it'd just be like that. And if you look at that season, a lot of the times I wouldn't play on a, if I played on a Saturday, I wouldn't be in the squad or I wouldn't start on the Tuesday um, because 
my knee just couldn't handle it. It would just it just stiffen up. It'd go. It'd swell so much. There were times where I'd be icing my knee before training, <laughs> so I couldn't feel it. Um, I was on so much. Uh, I was on so much, so many painkillers and stuff. It was just ridiculous. But um, you, you just do it. But Ian Holloway was really good to me in that he he understood that and he just let me sort of play and just train a little bit and it it really helped me that season. Go on, Tom. I thought you'd a, yeah. Sorry, I think Tom's got a question for you. No, no, it's more more of a comment really. Like I just you speak and just sort of you encapsulated us into sort of maybe what Holloway was doing with you guys. And first and foremost, I think it was like a privilege to watch what you guys produced. Um, and like you said, I remember one time um, coming off the bench, we had sort of Callum McManaman, Tom Ince and Matt Phillips come off the bench. And like you were saying that any person could play in any position and he wanted to breed that mentality through. Um, and us as fans, we just, yeah, it was an utter privilege watching it and, and watching that midfield like pressure and stuff and like Man City do now. And, we, as you can imagine, we're in a world of our own watching football being played like that and even to dream to, to be in the playoffs. You were mentioning when he first signed, he said we can get in the playoffs. And I think he said on Sky Sports, there's no reason why we can't get promotion. And I think all the Blackpool fans just sat in their seats like... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think in our lifetimes we would ever thought we'd gone to the Premier League and, and watching the football, the championship, and even the season after the Premier League, you know, he really did bring something special to us. And it's good to hear from the players how special it actually meant to you. I think one of my favourite moments is at Derby away when Ormrod scored two. Didn't he do the team talk with some teddy bears? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We, that was, yeah, it was like New Year's Day. And, yeah, yeah we yeah. turned up at the team hotel and he's he's got... <laughs> He just he had he bought eleven teddies and he'd lined them up saying this is how Derby are going to play. Um, to we're looking at anyway, this is savage. And he just got this teddy that he thought was savage, and he just started throwing him around the room, going, "This is what Savage is going to do today. He's going to run there. He's going to run there. He's going to run there." And he just it just relaxes you a little bit. Um, he used to do like a dance off with a kit man, you know, before a game. Um, all these sort of things, but he was just. But you look at. The gaff, the gaff, I still call him the gaff. We're still on our WhatsApp group. We've still got a WhatsApp group for him. But oh, yeah. um, it, it, you look at his career after Blackpool, and he's not had that success. And it, you have to have the right club at the right time. As whether you're a player, your manager. Look, DJ Campbell, perfect example. He was amazing for us. Not quite where, anywhere else. And it, it, the right club at the right time, and it, it can really help him. We were very fortunate to have him. I think he was he was an amazing guy. And I remember we lost. We lost to Crystal Palace away, four-one. Um, probably mid 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 part of that season or towards the end, and we we got back on the coach, heading back to London. We're all like, oh. I mean, heading back home. Sorry, we're all like, oh, you know, like in a really bad mood. Everyone's saying, oh, we should have done this, should have done that, or I should have played and all that. And he's just stopped the coach on the high street in <laughs> in the middle of London, as you know what it's like in London. We've probably got a massive bus lane fine. Um, and he just went, we're like, what is he doing? And he just went to this little off-licence, got loads of beer, loads of crisps and stuff, brought them on and said, don't worry, boys, everything will be fine. And from that, instead of us going home and feeling down and stuff, you suddenly have a few beers, everyone's happy and you're talking, you're thinking, he's good, the gaffer, like, I like him. Do you know, it's just little things like that. And suddenly, you could, then you then go into training on Monday a little bit happier. Instead of after a defeat, you got battered and you're thinking, oh, God. But you're just smiling. And 
it's just little things like that. He was just he was he was an amazing guy, and he he um, he knew how to get the best out of everyone, and he certainly he he was good to me. So yeah, I've got a lot of respect for him. We've got loads of questions coming. I don't know how long you've you've got left, Ben. I know you've said you've got a family quiz. Um, so if yeah, you need go on, we'll, we'll keep going. This is better than a family quiz. Go on. <laughs> if you come knocking in the background, no, it is. Yeah. Uh, one question before we kind of move on towards maybe some games that turn the season and made you believe. Um, a good question, which has got a few comments, is uh, what was Hammer Buatza like to play for? Again, another character you've probably come across in football, but a player who had so much ability uh, that maybe it was his attitude that was wrong in terms of where he could have got to in the game. Yeah, he, he was amazing. Like again, he's one of those players that shouldn't, shouldn't have been at Blackpool because he, he had a. Um, he was. It was at what was he at Watford first? Yeah, at Watford. He was very good. Like he's ability wise, amazing. But it, it, you see a lot of those players that sort of flit in and out of games and. Um, he did produce some amazing things, but. It, and he was he was a nice guy. He just didn't. Um, as you go up the leagues, what tends to happen is you don't always get that team spirit where everyone lives close and everyone's together all the time. And um, Hammer would be one of those ones that wouldn't always be with us and things. But he, he always got on well with everyone. He just um, he just he just it's more frustrating that he didn't always make the most of his ability. Another one is J. Emmanuel Thomas. I don't know whether you remember him, the lad we had from Arsenal. Mm-hmm. He he had. Everything. I don't think I've seen a player with everything like him. I remember in training, if he wanted to, he just brushed like even Craney off. Craney's like <laughs> a dog in training. Like he just, he'd just brush him off. He'd brush Evo off. He could go around anyone. He's quick. He could score. And then you think, oh my God, how have we got this guy on loan? And he went into a game and he, you think, oh, right, is that it? And he just wasn't interested if things didn't go as well. And then you got someone, I remember we signed um, Shade. Seamus Coleman towards the end of the season, didn't we? Um, and he came into training on the Friday, I think. And he, we didn't even, we didn't even know who he was just a little Irish guy. Um, and he was wasn't the best in training to say the least. That we thought, oh right, okay. And then he started. I think <laughs> Scunthorpe away, and he set two goals up, and he was amazing. And you, sometimes you get those players that are just brilliant in games, and he he was. Again, Holloway, fantastic signing, perfect for us. He sort of he launched Seamus Coleman's career, didn't he? Um, and he was probably always going to be an amazing player, Seamus. But he was such a nice lad, such a down to earth boy. But yeah, he, he got the right the right move at the right time to come to us on loan, and it really it really helped him. But he he bought into everything that we were doing. And yeah, we Blackpool have had some fantastic players over the years, and Ian Holloway loves signing forward players, that's for sure. So. Yeah, there was always someone coming in. I think you actually scored on Seamus Coleman's debut. I think it was the Palace game at home with the new Armfield stand was um, oh, yeah. introduced. I think I don't think he had the best first half. We're like, oh my god, where's it? Like, I think Earthly, we, we where's, it? where's he? Was it two 0 down or something? Down. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think I was. I think I was sub that game. I came. I think I came on at half time. And scored um, in the 89th minute to save us on that uh, momentous <laughs> yeah. day for the club. So thank you, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Charlie scored as well, didn't he? Yeah. But I'll come to more, some comments leading towards the player final. So we'll try and get to that quite quickly. But was was there a game in that season, whether it was a game that turned it and made you think we could go to the playoffs or go up? Uh, but you look at the Swansea 5-1 at home, the Watford 3-2, which 
Again, how, how we didn't win that by more. I think the highlights were on the Twitter page the other day. But was there a, a game for you that thought, oh my God, we're actually going to do this now. We're actually going to go to win the playoffs or we're going to go up automatically? I think we we talk about it because at the start of the season, when, when you do your win bonuses for the season, um, usually after the captain and some of the senior players would go in to discuss it with the management and the, the owners and you'd come up with a win bonus and the win bonuses... I don't know whether you know, they use different clubs, different things, but they're usually based on where you are in the league. So save your position one to, you're in position one or two, you might get, I don't know, £150 per point while you're in those positions. If you're in position um, three to six, you might get £100 per point. If you're below that, you'll just get, I don't know, £50 a point or whatever. It's different at every club. So, uh, I think, who was captain? Who was captain then? Jason Yule and Charlie. Yeah, Jason Yule, Charlie. Um, I think Keith Southern went in because he's tight with money. Um, they <laughs> went in to discuss it and they came out and they went, right, uh, boys, the gaffer says that we should say we don't want any bonuses all season and just take five million if we get promoted. And we're like, yeah, good. And really, what, what's the win bonus? And like, no, no, that's what the gaffer thinks we should do. So wow. everyone's thinking, we hadn't played a game by this stage. Everyone's thinking, well, that just means a season without win bonuses. Um, and then, the, but the gaffer did this big speech about right. It doesn't matter about bonuses, but I can guarantee you're going to get that five million. And we're like, you can't guarantee that gaffer. It's not going to happen. And you sort of just forgot about it and thought, oh, we're enjoying ourselves anyway. But as the season went on, we'd we'd make the odd joke like, oh, we're going to be rich. We're going to do this. Um, and then it was we we had a bit of a bad spell. I think we lost to Newcastle. Um, went on a bit of a bad run. But then it was the Swansea game. That was huge because they were playing really well. They 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 were always played good football, but we absolutely battered them. I remember Ashley Williams was centre half that day, and he, he was just he just looked shell shocked. He couldn't they couldn't get near us. And it, was it five one? Five one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five one. Yeah. And that I think that sort of changed it for us. Thought right, we're going to do this. And then again, you had the same feeling as. Um, when we did when we did the ten in a row, where you just go into each game thinking we're going to win this, like it doesn't matter who we play, we're so well drilled, we know exactly what we're doing, and we're going to win this. Um, we just we just carried on rolling on, and we we were never had anything to lose. We all, always like unfavoured. No one ever thought we'd get promotion. So yeah, it was it was just brilliant. I want to come on to the playoff games. You talked about the run in there, the, the Swansea 5-1, 2-0 away at Plymouth, 4-2 at, at Scunthorpe and soccer bases, I think giving you a goal or something. I don't know. I thought it was an own goal. Uh, uh, and then Newcastle 4-1 away and you think, oh, we've been hit by the champions here. Bristol City, the final game of that season, the nerves and, is it not on, oh, it's, sorry, I'm looking at your games play for Blackpool, not Blackpool's fixtures. That was, I was thinking of the Peterborough game. Obviously, that game comes along and, and fans start to believe that the fans stay for an hour behind after full time to sing players' names and, and what an afternoon that was. But that Bristol City game and then going to the two playoff games, just what was it like inside the dressing room on, on, on that occasion? Because like you said, you, you could be 90 minutes away from getting in the playoffs or you could be 90 minutes from missing out and the season being wasted. And I just said, no £5 million bonus. But what was it like in that run of games up to that final against Cardiff? We never, because, because no one ever expected anything. And we just, we just sort of, I didn't, we didn't feel any pressure. The gaffer would be relaxed. He'd make us laugh. Um, we, we just felt so confident in each other. It, it was, we were never paralysed by fear because the gaffer would just 
tell us to go out and play and you'll be fine. Just keep going. And we never, never, never really doubted it. I know Bristol City got a bit tense, wasn't it? It was one all. Um, and I think Swansea, did Swansea draw that day? Lee Trundle missed loads. I think they needed to win to get, to go up. But yeah, um, so it just, it just felt right. And then we were quite happy to get Knott's Forest and we beat them 2-1 at home. And I remember little Billy Davis, angry, angry little man in the tunnel. <laughs> Just saying, all right, so all right, boys, we'll beat them when we... <clears throat> well, that's a good result for us because we'll beat them at home. You know we will in the tunnel and we're just looking at him. He was quite happy with 2-1 defeat. He thought they'd batter us at, um, at the city ground and then it wasn't. It obviously wasn't to be. And uh, those celebrations were amazing uh, on the pitch and the gaffer with the traffic cone hat on. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was just... It was unreal and anything. My God, we're going, we're going to the playoff final, like the big one, the... The biggest, we always used to say, the biggest game in world football, the most expensive one is the £90 million game or whatever it was. Um, but again, whilst we didn't feel that that much pressure. We were just enjoying it. Um, and we fully, fully expected to beat um, Cardiff in the final. I think there was no, we, we never sort of doubted ourselves. Just remember it on the coach that day, just all the, just the sea of tangerine. I don't know, they, I, it's just what I noticed, but mm-hmm. just, all you could see was Sanchez. There was barely any Cardiff fans, and it was just, it was just amazing. I remember it was like a dream going there, and then you go into the stadium, and just tangerine everywhere. It was just, it was just amazing, and yeah, and to like, I remember the, the gaffer did a speech before the game, and I'm not usually one to get too excited with these things, but a proper, give me like goosebumps. He was sort of big motivational speech, but he was sort of saying, "You've got, you, you are going to face adversity today." You. You may go behind, but you will come back. You will win. And then, lo and behold, we went behind. You sort of, he'd always said, don't panic. We will just carry on doing what we do. That's all that matters. And then we just, as you can see, you see in the game, no one panicked when we went behind. Um, they were a really good side, Cardiff, and obviously they went up a few a year or two later. But, yeah, they had some amazing players. But we we fully fully deserved it that day and it was just it was just amazing it was just unreal unreal um time for for people it was amazing to see the fans fans still talk about that day uh, at Wembley I think everyone was there any anyone <laughs> was there we we had the um anniversary on YouTube they streamed the match live and all the yeah. fans got excited on Twitter just as they did on the day <laughs> um and for me um obviously being at sort of the games in the running and stuff and just even at full time, despite Holloway probably thinking and you guys thinking you can do it, it was it still probably took about two days to say Blackpool in the Premier League. But when we watched the game back on on the anniversary, I, I for one didn't actually realise how well we played that day. I don't know if you've ever watched it back um, and and actually noticed, but we we were absolutely sensational. It was it was steaming hot and we just ran and ran and ran and ran and it yeah. was it, it probably just a know summed up what Blackpool all about during that season yeah it definitely did and we we played amazing football it's just sort of beyond beyond the the times really and yeah the the league just couldn't handle it and fair play to Holloway he's very brave he'd been out of the game for a year he came to Blackpool and he wasn't playing it safe he he sort of went for it and you got to respect him for that and it's um, it certainly paid off for him and the boys absolutely loved him. The boys still absolutely love him. He's he's just he's just one of those characters that sort of leaves an impression on you when you meet him. 
Just got a question here from my dad who's watching in the, the other room, uh, as you do on a Friday night. Um, he said, we were all willing uh, Ben to score at Wembley. Could you imagine the Birdman times 30,000? <laughs> I think I think Craney yeah. puts the ball over the top, doesn't he, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and, yeah. And you and DJ are one-on-one and you were a little bit greedy and went for glory when it could have been <laughs> finished. But <laughs> but what, what again, just that would have been a, such a great moment. But the whole day was a, a fantastic occasion, as, as you've alluded to, and those memories that no one can take away from you, Ben, isn't it? And as you said, it'd be there until well, death, if you don't mind me saying, but it's something you'll remember forever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just, just, I remember the, the final whistle went and the first thing I thought was, Jesus, my mouth's dry. It was so hot. <laughs> uh, I remember getting a bottle of water, but then like all the boys are just hugging and just, just to looking up and then trying to find your family in the, in this, which isn't easy at Wembley. It is in most games, but, uh, trying to find like a wife and my sister and um and my kids and stuff. It was it was just yeah, it was just just amazing, just unreal, unreal. It didn't didn't seem real. We, no one expect no one outside of Blackpool expected us to do it, and it was just it it, just, it was like it was like a dream, but fully fully deserved. What um this is probably a really obvious thing to say, but what was the atmosphere actually like? Especially sort of um, Dave Jackson's just brought up in there when 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 um, Chopra scores, did what impact did we have as fans um, during that match? Did it really sort of g you up, or was it one of those ones where you were just so focused on the game you sort of didn't take notice? Um, I think we were focused anyway, but the, the fans were were amazing. Like that's from from the minute we were driving to the ground, it's just all you could see was Tangerine. All you could hear in the stadium, you didn't hear the Cardiff fans really. And they're they're a massive club. Yeah. Um, massive place, um, but yeah, it, it was, and the fans are just fantastic, and every everyone played the part. I think because, like you say, because we were playing the sort of football that you wouldn't expect, we didn't we didn't get to that position being boring and shutting up shop and things. And the fans were just incredible, and the noise and it drives you on. It gives everyone that little bit extra, and it just it just felt right. And yeah, the fans play a huge huge part in in what happens. And that's that's what's so sad about football at the moment. Yeah. How, just talking about that, obviously you played with huge amounts of crowd, should we say, over, over your football uh, career. But how have you adjusted to football watching it now on the TV? I know you've been to a few games um, watching it or covering it for radio, but how have you adjusted watching the football in the current climate? It, yeah, it's it's strange. It's not It's not quite the same, but... I'm still going to watch it because it's still football. Um, it's not. It's not how we want it to be. But I think it's definitely better with the the fake crowd noise. As, as crazy as that sounds, I remember when um, Germany Germany were the first league to start again, weren't they? I remember watching those, and it was awful. It was just like a reserve game or something where there's just you could hear the players shout and things. So yeah, it is strange. It's not right, but at least we've got football, I suppose. Um, that, that's the only way we've got to look at it. My my little boys just started playing for Blackburn, and I'm not allowed to watch him in training or his games at all. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard. It's it is very hard at the moment. But I suppose football, at least it's it's still on. We've got to understand why the fans aren't allowed in. Obviously, well, we won't keep you too much long because we appreciate you having you on the show and not doing a family quiz. <laughs> um, but obviously, Blackpool, your Blackpool career came to an end after the playoff final. 
I guess in some respects it was a, a good high to, to leave on. I know you would have maybe wanted to play in the Premier League for, for Blackpool, but for you, was that a kind of a good moment to leave on? Um, probably, I, I, I suppose, yeah, it's as high, high, as, high as I was going to go. Um, I think from from the time I did my knee when I was 21 at Hull, I always had in my head that I'm going to be finished at the end of this season. I'd, it's like even that playoff final day, I was only sub, but I was so nervous about waking up that morning wondering whether my knee was going to be swollen. Um, and it, it, it just, I, I had in my head that I was, I would probably, I might retire from the whole game at the end of the season anyway. And it, it was getting to the point where I just couldn't, I didn't enjoy the pain. It was just too much. I was, I, I had to ice my knees all the time. Like four ice packs after every game, um, couldn't walk and just, it just it was getting too much especially after Blackpool as well and um, yeah it, it was nice to finish on a high obviously would have been great to stay if all things considered but it was just um, it's one of those one of those things but yeah I suppose when you look at it it was um, it was a nice way to finish perfect we've got some um, questions uh, based on sort of your first words best and last sort of um, moments in your career um, yeah. Could you? I'll start start us off with what was your your, your favourite or best goals in your career? For me, it was it was the volley at Charlton, which was an absolute sensational strike. But what what favourite goals or what best goals can you remember? Um, yeah, I like that Charlton one mainly because it was against Nicky Weaver, <laughs> and I, I used to spend I spent years shouting Weaver as a City fan. <laughs> so yeah, it was nice, and it was in my right foot. Um, yeah, that that was a good one. Um, I scored one for. For Brentford against Brighton on TV, that was like a sort of an overhead kick. Um, so I like that one. I I remember one that sort of helped my career a little bit at, at Blackpool. We it wasn't a particularly great goal, but we were playing QPR at home and it was nil nil, and I scored in about the 90th minute a header. Um, I just just little things like it wasn't a great goal, but it was the winner, and it sort of helped helped my sort of confidence and things like that. But yeah, technically, my best ones. I, I like the Doncaster one. Um, yeah, the Charlton one. Yeah, and then the one for Brentford, I would say. I also did a few kick-ups and then scored an overhead kick for Hull. That was before my knee. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'd say any of those, yeah. A lot of the fans are saying sort of Doncaster. You touched upon Jet earlier, Jay Emmanuel Thomas. I remember that game. He scored that absolute worldie when he went in between two players and then bends it in. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was a good game. That was we conceded late on to draw, but yeah, a very good game. You mentioned sort of earlier Holloway, probably the best manager you've ever had. We probably know the worst chairman you've ever had, but probably can you confirm that for us? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say Holloway, Holloway, and. Mm, Holloway, yeah, Holloway, Peter Taylor and Steve Coppel. I think for different reasons. Um, Peter Taylor was the best coach I've ever had. His coaching sessions were so good. Um, but he, he'd, he'd lose his head a little bit on the man management side of things. Um, whereas Holloway is just, yeah, was so well drilled. So, it's, but yeah, probably Holloway was, was the best. Um, sorry, what was the other question? Oh, the worst chairman. Yeah, you know the worst chairman, but can you, can you confirm for the Full field? name, please. Full <laughs> name, slowly. Wasn't, wasn't the most popular of guys, was he? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. it's, uh, at, least, at least the club's moving in a different direction, though. Of course, yeah. Um, Favourite team you've played for? Ooh. 
you can say anyone other than Blackpool. If you it, really it would be it would be Blackpool or Hull because they're, they're the ones uh, the most the Tons. most success and the best times, and, and it comes from that sort of team spirit and just everything about it. Yeah, it would be Hull or Blackpool. Yeah, just. I've got one here, just just for one of the, the fans that have gotten. You might have answered a little bit, but Josh gets a question in your best moment in a Blackpool shirt, Ben. Um, as as a team would would be that um, that moment at Wembley when we went up. I think um, yeah, it was just it was just unreal that that achievement. Hopefully, it will be matched again one day. But uh, yeah, it was it was just it was just amazing. No one expected it. And, Sort of against all the odds, it was. Uh, yeah, I'd say that that was that's going to be the biggest achievement for most people who have worn a Blackpool shirt. I'd say uh, another one here from, from oh, um, Ollie Vlogs. Uh, I'm guessing he means Blackpool FC. But have you been back to Blackpool since leaving in 2010? Yeah, I do quite a lot of the radio, and um, I remember the my daughter plays for Blackpool Girls as well. So yeah, um, but I remember the the first game back when uh, all the fans came back after the Oysters left and I managed to get tickets for that for my wife and my two children and we were sat I remember we were sat there and it was brilliant we were singing the whole whole game um yeah it, it was it was fantastic it was um not the best game at all but it was it was just good it we felt like the old times all the fans back and so yeah yeah I, I, I try and go down I take take my children when I can do um it's um, it's nice for my uh, children to see what real football is like and not just watch Man City all the time. <laughs> um, oh, go on, Tom. No, so we've got a couple of questions before we sort of finish, but um, we've raised a good point here that without you, we might not have ever seen or we wouldn't have seen the Wes Hulan penalty because you won us the penalty away at uh, Preston, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, the first that was the first race I've ever won since that <laughs> in the operation. Uh, but yeah. the, the crazy thing is, I see Ewell all the time, Ewell Moeni, because he he lives near me and his kids are at the same school as my kids, and he's the nicest guy actually, Ewell for a, for a Preston player. But yeah, he was, um, it was, yeah, it was. I think it was the slowest race in the world. All the other boys were saying that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good. That that game was probably my second favorite moment in a Blackpool shirt. It was, it was. Really, the fans again. It was just. Yeah. I used to love those games against Preston. Um, just the songs it used to make me laugh hearing the songs for both sides, and <laughs> it was. Uh, but yeah, it was absolutely lashing it down that day, and yeah. um, we were we were much the better team. We we should have. But again, no one expected us to win. Everyone thought they were going to win, but we were much the better team. And then, yeah, I managed to get the penalty, and um, yeah, a little Wes had missed the last penalty taken, yeah. so no one. But the type of guy is just chipped it down the moves. Brilliant, Wes. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It was it was an amazing game, and I remember stood out on the pitch celebrating afterwards with all the fans. It was yeah, it was it was good. I've got a few here. Uh, Ewan, who's watching it, thank you, Ewan. Uh, he says he was the favourite uh, player to play with or against uh, in your football career. Uh, favourite player to play with. Hmm, that's that's a good one. Um, I had a really good partnership with Danny Allsop at Hull. Um, we scored a lot of goals. Um, it's a tough one, this. Um, I used to, 
I used to like playing up front with Brett. Actually, I used to like I used to like it when it was um, me, Brett, and Fletch. I thought you used to think that that worked quite well. Um, is it? Would Charlie be up there in terms of how he would change a game? I know maybe you know, played with him for what just over yeah, a season. I think, yeah, but... Charlie ability wise was was fantastic. He um, his left foot was just ridiculous. He could hit it from anywhere, and it, his um, his confidence as well. And he he grew under Holloway. He was a good player before, but he sort of matured. He, he was a completely different player by the end of that season, and obviously he went on. Got moved to Liverpool, didn't he? Eventually, so yeah, it was um, yeah, he was obviously an excellent player. And the, what for the way we played, we, we needed someone like Charlie to switch um, to switch play. So we a big thing Holloway would do was to get the ball to Charlie, and then Charlie hit the diagonal to the other side of the pitch, where where our winger was always told to stay up out wide, um, whereas the other team would get sucked in. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd Charlie'd have that ability to hit the long diagonals and it was a big feature of the way we played. Evo also very good at that as well. So yeah, he, he had a huge impact, Charlie, yeah, and he'd drive forward and sort of really push the team on. But also I don't think Charlie would have been able to do that without um David Vaughan and Keith Southern. I think especially Vaughan, Vaughan he, um he doesn't always get the credit because he's he's the quietest man in the world, but he's fantastic. You could give him the ball anyway. He's a bit like David Silver in that way. You give him the ball anywhere and he keeps it, passes it, and he's sort of very, very important to how we played. Yeah. I've got one comment here saying the favourite player you wouldn't have played with wouldn't be Chris Sutton, so I'm definitely marking <laughs> the uh, the list there. Yeah. Um, I've just lost the comment now, actually, which is uh, very annoying. Um, oh, here we go. You'll see it on the screen. Ben, did you get that promotion bonus? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got it eventually. Um, eventually. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of people worried about that. Yeah, I had to drive back from Nottingham to pick it up. Um, pick the, it was, it was a good check to take that. I took it to the bank the next day in Nottingham. The woman's like, "What? Are you sure?" I'm like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I did get it eventually. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to the final topic now. So, if fans want to leave their predictions in, I think we've asked Ben before, but we'll we'll get another one because it's been definitely over an hour since we uh, we might have heard that one. But between the two sides, Ben, they've played I think 102 times. Blackpool have won 33 of those. There's been 29 draws, 40 wins for Hull. Uh, again, I probably asked you this one before, but how do you see this one going? And and give us a score prediction, please. Two one to Blackpool. Gary Medine to score at least one. The goal machine. That'll be uh, fans will love that one. Tom, I'll, I'll come to you before we read some of the fans' comments. Out. What are your predictions on the game tomorrow? I'm going <clears> to <throat> guess my first loss of the season. I think we'll play well, but we won't score enough. So I'm going to go for a two-one home victory. And Medine to get our goal. I agree with Ben on that one. Is in some good form. That you know any, anything can change. It's just my f- thoughts initially. We've got a few of the, the fans' comments in. Uh, Steve reckons it's going to be a 2-2 draw uh, tomorrow as the Blackpool travel uh, across the Pennines to Hull. Not a bad journey, actually, when the motorways are quiet. Uh, David Jackson, he says a draw, a 1-1 draw. Um, always, I used to be careful reading this name out. Fat Goat Sack. Uh, he <laughs> says 3-1 to Blackpool. Testing you Interesting, yeah. Broadcast it. Definitely need to check those uh, spellings. Uh, Henry... Uh, comments are flying into you fair Henry he says 2-2 quite a few going for 
a draw. Just one here. Gary saying, cheers, Birdman. Looking forward to my team playing your younger daughter's team uh, again. So it must have come up against you. Um, up the pool. Uh, John Aspinall says, uh, 1-1. Uh, Gareth uh, says, hold to Blackpool 4. Tim Fielding says, the goal machine, as Lee Charles TV always shouts out, will score uh, tomorrow. Um, Richard, 1-1. I'm going to go for a 2-2. I think... It'll be end-to-end game. There'll be plenty of goals in it. Uh, Johnny uh, Burke says 3-1 to Hull. Yeah, you're not invited back, Johnny. Uh, Ray says 2-1 to Blackpool. Tim 2-2. And Lee says 1-0 to Pool. And a great listen tonight. Cheers um, for all. So we're going to call it there. We're hitting the hour and a half. And then we could probably chat for midnight about players and your time at Blackpool and, and everything else. But um, I'm sure myself and everyone listening whether after the podcast tonight or tonight, has enjoyed your company. So uh, from all of us, all Blackpool fans, we appreciate you coming on and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Stay Thank safe, everyone. Time. Stay safe and uh, make sure those kids don't uh, do too much trouble <laughs> on the Zoom calls in the next few months. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Tom, again, thank you for, for coming on. It's been, uh, it's been great as ever. Thank you so much. It's been a quality evening. Thanks again, Ben. No worries. No worries. And a few more, just to make finishing off. I, I love BBB. What a legend. Brilliant listen tonight. I'll send Ben a Valentine's card. So Ben, <laughs> you've got a plus one Valentine's card in a, in a month's that's time. Excellent <laughs> news. Uh, but like I said, that's all. Join us tomorrow the Seasiders podcast for a match reaction um, after the whole game. Fingers crossed uh, Blackpool can go and pick up all three points. Hi all, just a few quick messages before you head off. I'd just like to ask if you haven't already to please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps the show grow, gain more exposure. So if you go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash review, that'll redirect you to the iTunes review site. So if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Just to make you aware, you can listen to this show on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Pocket Casts and Google Podcasts. And if you're not listening to this on a podcast app, I highly encourage you to do so because it is the best way to listen because you get them sent automatically. If you're on social media, we are on there. So please do give us a follow. If you're not doing so already, we're on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Seasiders Pod is my handle. So I'm sure if you search for that or just Seasiders Podcast, you'll find us on there. So if social media is not your thing, we do have an email list. So if you want to sign up to that, you'll get an email whenever we do release a new show. So go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash email and sign up there. And finally, if you do enjoy what we're doing here and you want to chip in a few quid every month to help pay for our production costs and gear upgrades, please consider joining our Patreon supporter program where you'll get lots of exclusive content and services in return. So head on over to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash support to find out more. Right, I promise that's the last you'll hear from me. See you on the next pod. Over and out. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.